Today in True New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. Hey, Darren. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. You're not uh, screaming at the top of your lungs like uh, like last time? Try not to. Try not come, to. I, I listened back to that and I was like, oh yeah, that, that was really loud. I should not coming in. Yeah, coming in slow and low, that is a tempo. Yeah. My my voice can carry without me realizing it, so I can I can be louder than I realize sometimes. So yeah, I gotta right. try to watch that. No, I'm the same way. Like uh, I mean, I'm sure as many of our uh, faithful listeners know, like whenever I'm not trying to be loud, I'm just talking. It comes out like like a like I'm a blaring foghorn, just ah, like my I yeah. I don't I never realize how loud my voice is until I listen to this podcast. I'm like Jesus, that one guy needs to clam up. Yeah, or or according to some of the reviews we've gotten, both of us do. Yeah, I try not to read those, but yeah. <laughs> I don't it's have like... to read them. The, the negative reviews live rent-free in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I I think like... my favorite one of those was when it was like, I really do like this podcast. They have great chemistry. But one of the guys, and I'm not going to say which one, a little of him goes a long way. Yeah, listeners, he's not joking. I, I've heard Trumbull reference that uh, review more like months after we read it. Yeah. And I was like, I, I'm like, dude, are you still thinking about that? It lives like, rent free in my head. Like I said, I was just like, wait, how do we have great chemistry, but you don't like one of us? Yeah, I mean, I think they posted a review like literally like like three years ago, and you still it probably you still yeah, it probably is something like that. Yeah, but I yeah. see it whenever whenever I'm looking for new reviews to read on the podcast. So I like glanced yeah. at it again just a minute ago, and it's and they're trying to position it as nicely as possible. They're like, well, hopefully they're both half glass half full guys, and they'll they'll think I'm talking about the other one, and I'm just like, you have never met a comedian. <laughs> <laughs> very true so anyway actually speaking of that i got to i got to do a little performing this week that was fun i got to co-host a trivia night over in morristown that was that was fun with our our friends from best men trivia oh do tell do tell i mean that was fun my my buddy uh jeff uh invited me out to that and he was like hey uh my regular co-host can't make it would you like to join me and you can write a few trivia Ooh. questions and you can you can plug the podcast and i wrote a, a cool trivia question about uh, musical guests doing something outrageous on snl oh fantastic i was like you know which which one of these four people has not done something outrageous as a musical guest on snl and the choices were uh avril levine uh Elvis Costello, John Lennon, and Sinead O'Connor. Oh, uh, shoot. All right, so let's see if I get this. I, so it's either Avril Lavigne or John Lennon. I don't... I mean, it had to be John Lennon because he, he never performed on SNL, right? That is correct. Yes. John Lennon, you, you unlocked the key to that piece of trivia. Yeah, John Lennon never performed on SNL. Uh, Paul McCartney's appeared, Ringo Starr. He hosted in the 80s, and uh, George Harrison has at least been the musical guest. I don't think he ever hosted. Uh, but John Lennon never appeared on the show. All right, 10 points. So, therefore, couldn't do anything outrageous. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot. What did Avril Lavigne do? Avril Lavigne uh, lip synced when she was on the show. And I remember that, that was in 2004 because I remember I watched that the weekend of my college reunion. So, uh, <laughs> wait, was that? The, Av- okay. Yeah. And that, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I said Avril Lavigne and I meant Ashley Simpson. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, like, yeah. that's, that's what I thought. Like, Ashley Simpson was the one where she lip synced and then the track was off and she, like, did yeah. a little dance and then they cut to commercial. It was it was Ashley Simpson. I was mixing up my young pop princesses from the early two yeah. thousands. Your angsty emo uh, young girl rock, as I do, because I mean, yeah, I was do. I was in my thirties by then, so I'm not supposed to <laughs> keep track of that. Oh no, not at all. You, I, you put I, know, I know their names, maybe. Right. And if but... you asked me to name one of their songs, I'd be like. Yeah, like after thirty, you 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 get put on a list if you still keep track of them. That's yeah, exactly. That's You're not supposed to to have that stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> uh, yes, it was Ashley Simpson who was lip syncing, not Avril Lavigne. But right. Kate McKinnon played a very funny Avril Lavigne when she was on SNL. I remember her just going, "I'm punk." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, good old days. Good old days. Good old days. So anyway, that was fun. The my point is hosting the trivia night was fun. Yeah, no, it sounds like it was a blast. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you had a good time. Hopefully, you'll go get the chance to do it again. Well, friend. yeah, I think it went well enough. They'll they'll ask me back when the next time uh, they they got a spot. So you know, groovy. That's, that's nice. That's nice. That's I haven't so gotten cool. to perform too much since you know pandemic world started. So. Yeah, you know, the world ended and uh, caved in on itself. Yeah, you know, I mean, after that happens, you're just not... The the thought of like, hey, drive out to this bar and share a microphone with six to eight other people. That's not too appealing. Yeah, just like, hey, do you want to come out and uh, possibly get an illness or a yeah. disease of some kind? Uh, we pay you in drink tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get you get yourself out here. Yeah, and uh, you know, you'll you'll leave with uh, a belly full of cheap beer and possibly COVID. Yep, sound like a sound like a good time, huh? I mean, yeah, like like I say, living the dream. <laughs> <laughs> now you're saying the it. Dream. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, well, so that was a thing that I did this week. How about you? You you did a a thing or two this week. I understand. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, I visited. I didn't visit, but I, I saw uh, two of, uh, friends of the podcast, uh, Brad and Katie, who uh, were who ran the uh, decomposition podcast. They performed mm-hmm. a little duo now, called themselves the Whitley, and they performed at the uh, New Jersey Beer Company up in beautiful North Bergen, New Jersey, and like uh, they performed their first show. And I I popped in and saw them, and they it was basically they were doing like sort of acoustic versions of like their favorite pop songs so mm-hmm. it was like some good stuff you know they did a little Fleetwood Mac they did a little um what they did a Cranberries song um they did like a you know just a, it's a whole uh, medley of pop songs from the 80s and 90s and early aughts you know while uh, Brad played his acoustic guitar and Katie sang along and Katie has a great voice I had no idea mm-hmm. she was a, a really strong singer but yeah it was a fun time so uh shout out to uh Brad and Katie from the Decomposition Podcast. You can follow them 
on their uh, Instagram account, uh, Whitley underscore acoustic on Instagram. Whitley underscore acoustic on Instagram. So yeah, go follow yeah. them. Absolutely. It's fun times. Um, you know, they, they make fantastic music and they're good folks and they support us here at DSNL Nerds. So, so support them, good people. Support yeah, how them. do you spell Whitley, just so the people know? Sure. W-H-I-T-L-E-Y underscore acoustic. Mm. And you're just going to have to spell acoustic on your own, people. We, we can't yeah. hold your hand on this stuff. Exactly. People, we can't. We can't just, you know how to spell acoustic. Come on. What, what like, you like, I'll spell Trumbull for you. I'm not going to spell the word comic for you. Yeah. You've got to figure that shit out on your own. Yeah. I'll Trumbull for you. I'll Trumbull. Remember that song? Remember that song? Don't, don't do that. Okay. I'm sorry. I, mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't. It's, it's not a good song. Uh okay. All right. I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to offend you. Good Lord. Wow. I really brought the <laughs> podcast down. <laughs> It's like you stop that shit <laughs> right now. No, it's just not the first time I've heard that joke. And uh, oh, I, I, in the nineties. So, ah, uh, damn it! Am I hack? Was that a hack? I, I didn't even know. I mean, from my point of view, yes. Okay. Well, from your point of view, it was a new thing that you just came up with. So, dude, when I thought of it just now, I I literally thought this is gonna. Trump, John's gonna love this. It's gonna blow his mind. No one's ever said to hit this to him uh, in his lifetime. I'm sure this is a completely original thought and joke. Not so much. Not so. First much. time I heard that, probably 1995. Oh God damn it! <laughs> wow. Sorry, buddy. I'm tough but fair. No, I pre. This this is how I learn. I'm never gonna yeah. learn unless you you put me in my place uh, swiftly and and quickly. Okay. All right. See, mm -hmm. I'm glad we had this talk. I yeah, feel I, I feel closer. closer to you as a result of this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're better friends for. We're better off. We for. are. We are. Mm -hmm. We had a meeting of the minds here. Um, so anyway, we should probably get to the point of of what we came to talk about. We're we're talking about because it's summer, we decided to do a summer movie and we decided to do Meatballs from 1979 starring a young Mr. Bill Murray. Uh, yeah, this is the first uh, film appearance in a starring role for mm -hmm. uh, Bill Murray, and uh, I believe, and directed by the late great Ivan Reitman. I believe this is like the first thing he ever. Directed, it is. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Ivan Reitman. I was reading on the IMDb trivia page that uh, Ivan Reitman, uh, after the big uh, Animal House became such a big hit. Um, they were going to like everybody who is involved with Animal House, but they weren't terribly interested in Ivan Reitman because he was, uh, quote unquote, just a producer on the film. So he was like, I Damn. better direct something so that I can get some of this heat. <laughs> so um, they did uh, Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis, who was a screenwriter on the film. They did want John Landis to direct the movie, but he turned it down um, because he was too busy working on Blues Brothers. So Ivan Reitman yeah. just said, uh, fine, I'll do it myself. He, he went, he went Thanos with it. Yeah, but this was, um, Bill Murray starred in the movie. Harold Ramis was a screenwriter on the movie. Well, I mean, 
to hear Ramus tell it, he basically just did punch up on it for like a month. Um, yeah. Like, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, yeah, there was like three other writers on this thing. Uh, Len Bloom, Dan Goldberg, and Janice Allen. I'm not too familiar with their I, I don't know any of their names, and I did not look up any of them on IMDb. So I don't know if any of them went on to bigger and better things. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll look. I'll look into it. But uh, but yeah, this film came out Jan- June 29th, nineteen seventy nine. Had a budget of one point six mil or one point two mil. The, the thing made seventy million dollars. It was a huge ass hit. Seventy million? Wow! I was. That's I what was I'm saying. On a, a article in the Hollywood Reporter saying it was forty three million. I wonder if that's just domestic. Well. Or... I don't know. I mean, according to Wikipedia, it made seven. Either way, it made back its money and then some. According yeah. to Wikipedia, it was the highest grossing Canadian film of all time in the U.S. and Canada. Right. And until it was suppressed by Porky's. So, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who were like, what if we had kids, but also nudity? <laughs> Light bulb. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I will say that because, like, if you look at the poster for uh, Meatballs, it, you see, you know, scantily clad women all draped mm-hmm. all over Bill Murray. So you think you're going to see boobies in this well, movie? Well, it, it makes the movie look a lot more sexual than it is. But, I mean, this this was this was PG, right? I mean, because I saw this as a kid in the theaters. Yeah, yeah. This is a PG movie. I mean, aside from, I think a few kids say the word shit once in a yeah. while. Other than that, there's nothing really dirty in this film at all. No nudity, no f bombs. It's pretty. It's pretty clean. It, it, yeah, it's... I mean, there are some moments and things that haven't aged well from a present day standpoint. But I think, yeah. But uh, in 1979, this was like family entertainment, and they were they were obviously going for like young teenagers for this maybe like the kids who were too too young to see animal house basically and i Absolutely, saw I, yeah. I would have been about uh not even seven i would have been six when this came out so yeah i think i was i was a young and i was like you know like a little two-year-old if i'm not mistaken yeah so I uh, mean, you, you probably saw this after the fact but i remember seeing this in theaters this was the movie that started my love of bill murray i was not watching saturday night live yet but so this was, I'm sure, the very first thing I saw Bill Murray. Oh, wow. OK. So, so yeah, the yeah, love affair started here. This is where the love started. This is where uh, the so, love started. Yes, I'm also looking. So the, uh, the screenwriters, like I said, Len Bloom and Dan Goldberg, they also went on to write Stripes, which, of course, we covered on this podcast. Oh, OK. Great. Uh, the movie Heavy Metal, if you remember that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tour de Force. Um, and another movie with another SNL alum, uh, Feds, with uh, Mary Gross. Oh, okay. And, All right. So they've done and, uh, some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Mary Gross, Rebecca De Mornay. Let's see. Uh, Beethoven Second, the movie Private Parts. Okay. The, yeah. How, the, you you, you should have quit while you were ahead. Well, Private Parts. Yeah, that's a good credit. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'll stop there. Yeah. So, yeah, they've done some stuff. They've done some stuff. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I found a quote uh, from Harold Ramis where he said, uh, I really only worked about a month on Meatballs. What happened was that Ivan Reitman figured out that studios wanted to meet everybody involved with Animal House except the producers. So he thought he'd better start directing. 
So he raised a million dollars and decided to do a movie about summer camp. He wanted Bill in the movie, and he knew Bill and I had a good relationship, so he asked me to doctor the script. Bill left Ivan hanging, though. Ivan didn't know he was going to be there until the day they started shooting. Mm. Okay. I mean, that's, that is such a Bill Murray thing. It's just like, he I've, might verbally yeah. agree to be in your movie, but you will do not really know until he shows up on the shoot day. Yeah, because I remember seeing like a... Uh like an old uh, documentary about Ghostbusters. And he kind of pulled the same shit on that too, where he said he would do it. He said he was going to be in Ghostbusters and like no one really knew if he was going to show up because he's, he's, he's very elusive. He likes to add to the mystique of Bill Murray. Where he yeah. verbally says, yes, I'll do your movie, but then you don't hear from him. He doesn't have a, a phone or like an agent. You have to like leave a message on his answering machine and then he might get it. But then on the day when it's time to shoot, he's there. He's a he's a, I mean, he's a beautiful mystical. I'm, I'm sure there is any number of movies where he they were expecting or hoping that he would show up, and then he did not. I mean that that has to be the case. He can't he can't show up for everything, right? Yeah, I'm sure, maybe I'm sure he's dropped the ball uh, once or twice on a few things. Yeah. But uh, yeah, still he's Bill Murray. He's America's Bill sweetheart. Murray, so like people put up with this. <laughs> behavior i mean it's just yeah i it's unprofessional i will admit yes but yeah but i mean he can he can get away with it he's 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 talented enough that people will put up with it and uh Hal ramus in this interview uh he, and i think it was in gq uh or excuse me men's style um says uh i have no idea what goes on in his mind he was 18 when i met him and he was already that way He'd been strong enough at 16 to defy all the Jesuit priests teaching at Loyola Academy. He was just the biggest rebel in the world. It's his job to defy all your expectations. God bless him. So, yeah. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray. It just And then <laughs> if he doesn't like what you did, he will just cut you off out of his life completely and not even tell you why. And, uh, wow. Uh, that's, it's gotta be rough. I mean, yeah. Hal Ramis found out the hard way. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at, at the same time, yeah, you could say all that stuff is, you know, like very pompous and like I said, unprofessional, but at the same time, like when he performs, he's on, like, I mean, with this movie, dare I say he's, I mean, he's definitely the standout. But, I mean, without yeah. him in this movie, this movie d doesn't really, it is not nearly as strong. Or... Is it even a movie without him? Because really, I, mean, <laughs> I think the only parts of this movie that really work are the Bill Murray parts. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of how we're going to talk about this movie. Because, like, for those that haven't seen this movie, it's basically about, uh, you know, the summer at uh, the sleepaway camp uh, in Ontario. Uh, camp mm -hmm. North Star. And, monster, yes. Yeah, and there's, but there's no real storyline. It's just like kind of a a bunch of maybe like vignettes kind of loosely threaded it's, together. Yeah, it's very episodic. I know we said that about Vacation last week. This movie is probably even more episodic. There's not much of a through line in this movie. There's there's a bit of an arc between Bill Murray and one of the kids, uh, Rudy, uh, uh, played by Chris Makepeace. Or is it Makepeace Make, or Makepeace? Looks like Makepeace. Make peace. Okay. Um, who I, I think he's also known as the kid from uh, 
my bodyguard. Oh wow! You don't yeah. remember that? You don't remember uh, my bodyguard? That was that was a big uh, uh, movie in the early eighties. I uh, I don't believe I I remember the bodyguard, not my bodyguard. No, my bodyguard. If, he was a kid who was bullied in school, and then he hires a, a guy to be his bodyguard, and it's a young Adam Baldwin. So. Oh, what? That sounds like that movie uh, with Owen Wilson, Drill Bit Taylor. Um, yeah, maybe it was an inspiration. I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, but no, My Bodyguard, I do not remember. But yeah, like, um, like, it's like you said, this film is basically just, it reminded me a, a lot of sort of like uh, Dazed and Confused, uh, the Linklater mm-hmm. film, where it's just like, uh, just a kind of a bunch of stuff that happened over the summer. There's no real through line in it. Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's nice. It's a, I think it's like an enjoyable little film. You see like a lot of the, you definitely see a lot of the inspiration that a wet, hot American summer took for, to make for their film in this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was watching the film and I was about three quarters of the way through the film. And one of the characters in it, uh, Crockett has this great early eighties throw. It's like, I, I would assume it's a Jew throw. <laughs> it is majestic. And, and, you know, and he's wearing like, this this uh, t-shirt, a sleeveless t-shirt, and I actually tweeted about this from the SNL Nerds account. I said, you know, that feeling when you're watching Meatballs for your podcast and you suddenly realize where Ken Marino got his look in Wet Hot American Summer from, because it is totally Victor Pulak from Wet Hot. And, yeah, uh, very much I so. tweeted this out. Uh, Ken Marino liked the tweet, by the way. So I'm Ooh. taking that as a Very nice. Yes. I mean, I did, I did tag him in the tweet, but, but. Oh, well done. Well totally done. taking that as confirmation. Yes. Ken Marino, fan of the podcast. That's an old news. Yeah. Fan of the podcast. He's never heard. Uh, <laughs> Let me have this, John. Let me have this. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Man can dream, can he? He can. He can. Um. But I mean, I, I realized this literally like three quarters of the way through the movie, and I was just like, "Oh, that's what they were doing." There, there, that was a meatballs reference. That's why Ken Marino has that magnificent uh, Jufro wig in Wet Hot. Mm. His hair was like, perfect. The, the the look is too close for it to be a coincidence. Yeah, no, it's he he saw meatballs was like, "I want to be that guy. I'm gonna be that guy." And yeah, but the weird thing is, like, none of the characters in this outside of Bill Murray as Tripper Harrison are especially memorable. Yeah, not, not really. Um, there's, I mean, there's like a few characters they sort of focus on a little bit. Like um, there's this one character called Spaz, who of course is the stereotypical nerdy dweeby dork. Um, And like, I just found out he's played. And I got to say, I don't think we should even be saying his character name. Because oh, isn't isn't wasn't there like just a controversy this week where Lizzo used that word in one of her songs and she was like, "Oh Ooh. yeah, I didn't realize that was that was a word I shouldn't be using," and and she like rewrote the lyric. I, I read something about that this week. Oh, was that the word? I, I saw think something. It was. About I think that. that was the word. Yikes. Okay. Well, I'll I'll just walk that right on back, and yeah. I apologize to anybody I might offended. I I hear you. I learn. I grow. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, in her song uh, "Girls." Yeah, so 
Oh, I didn't. I was yeah. not aware of that. Okay, because it's well, derived from the word spastic. So, oh wow! All right, I did not even notice that. Considered an okay. ableist slur now, and I was just like, mm, you know, that's that's what I was talking about. You know, some bits may have and maybe age that way. Great. I'm sure the movie yeah. is just using it as a as like equivalent to nerd, but yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. true. Uh, but yeah, but I actually, I just, I'm looking right now on the IMDb page, and apparently the actor that played him, Jack Blum, he was also the uh, co-casting director uh, for Canada on this film. Hmm. So, maybe not a professional actor? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seemed like a lot of these uh, people in this film were just, like, dudes from around the neighborhood. Yeah, it's got to be in the film. The, the summer camp was going when they shot this. They shot this in uh, like the summer of '78, and yeah, and the camp was going. So I think a lot of the counselors and uh, and certainly most of the campers are real campers. Yeah, it's yeah. This thing got shot on the cheap. All right, the movie was filmed from uh, uh, August seventh, nineteen seventy-eight. Ended on September sixth, nineteen seventy-eight. So like uh, like yeah. a month. This this. Mm. So, um, so we got, we got Bill Murray as Tripper Harrison. We've got, uh, the head counselor, uh, Morty Melnick, who's got a great look. He's got like, you know, glasses and, uh, and a mustache and he, he looks kind of owlish and he's, he's just getting all sorts of grief throughout the film. Like a, a running gag in the film is them moving his bed in the middle of the night to, and then they're putting it up in the middle of the trees. And at the end of the movie, they put his his bed in the middle of the lake. <laughs> so. Yeah. Like they basically like strap him down while he's sleeping. And I guess he's like a sound enough sleeper that he doesn't notice that he's being moved yeah. in, in the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah. And they just put him. But I, I do like the touch that they put his bed in a tree, his bed by the side of the road, but they also put his nightstand by the bed with his like prescription pills on it. No, yeah, they want to make sure he's, he's safe. I like that. That's style. That's style. Yeah. They, they, they really care. Like, we want to play this prank on you, but at the same time, we don't want you to, you know, we want you to take your heart medication because that's important. Yeah, that's... you shouldn't be without your meds. Yes, exactly. Safety first. It's all about your health, man. Safety first. Safety first. Um, and there's, uh, like we said, uh, Chris Makepeace, he plays this young kid, Rudy, and he's like this lonely kid. And you can tell he's like the lonely kid because the Elmer Bernstein score. They 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 play this poignant music whenever he's yeah. on screen, and it's kind of hilarious at the beginning of the film because it's just like, oh, we're supposed to feel bad for this kid. We're supposed to, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like <laughs> by himself, sitting on his on his luggage, right, just staring at the ground, like, oh, no one wants to be my friend. Yeah, and and Tripper comes up to him, and he's just like, oh, you must be the short, depressed kid that we ordered. Glad you made it. He just <laughs> he's just immediately like. Uh, tweaking this kid and he like takes the kid under his wing and 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 those are the scenes where the movie really works i think yeah i would say like every scene with bill murray that's when it really works like in the beginning of this film um they uh you know the kids are getting dropped off at the at camp but then the, Mm -hmm. the kids are also getting dropped off at uh camp mohawk which is the competing camp across the river that's where all the rich kids yeah yeah. They, they they this movie lets you know Right off the right off the rip. If you're rich, you're, you're probably a jerk, probably an asshole. So, yeah. Like the rich kid camp is that's where all the assholes go. 
Yeah. And there's this one and scene. A where, wonderful message to send in 1979. Damn straight. <laughs> <laughs> and the 80s are just around the corner. It's going to be the decade of the rich asshole. <laughs> let's let's speak out against this now. Yeah, take a stand, Ivan. And uh, yeah, so um, all all the rich kids are getting dropped off at their camp, and then we see like this news reporter talking, <laughs> doing um, you know on on the Johnny on the spot at the uh, where the kids are getting dropped off, and then Bill Murray just kind of you know wedges his way in to the reporter to give a report saying, "Oh yes, hey, I'm." I'm one of the new head counselors here at uh, Cat Mohawk. It's, right. it's worth it's worth a thousand dollars a week, I can tell you. And then he goes on to say how at Cat Mohawk, um, each camper will stalk and kill their own bear. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, of course, they also have a sexual awareness week, where each camper, where they import uh, two hundred hookers, and, yeah. and um, each, you know each camper armed with nothing but two hundred dollars and a thermos of with uh, coffee, you know, gets to uh, experience. The night, and the the winner gets to be the the king of sexual awareness week. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting thing I saw on the IMDb trivia page uh, during that scene. Tripper he introduces himself as Camp Mohawk Program Director Jerry Aldini. Jerry Aldini was the name of Bill Murray's lounge singer character on Saturday Night Live. Oh, wasn't his name always changing? Was like Nick the lounge singer? Yeah, it was always Nick... Nick something. So. I feel like that might be not great, totally accurate trivia because I don't know where the the Jerry Aldini is coming from. I I feel like maybe that's gotten a little distorted, but mm. I'd want to I wanted to note it anyway because it is another SNL connection. Yes, inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. Okay, but uh, yeah, like uh, I also like the again. Anytime Bill Murray's on front of the camera, he's he's the he's holding. This entire movie up by himself, I think. Like I yeah, get to think because I, mean, I feel like they like Ivan Reitman probably let him go a lot. So I feel like at least fifty percent of what we're seeing Bill Murray do on screen is just him improvising or riffing. Right. Um, like there's like there's one point uh because he's the head counselor and he's taking all the CITs, the counselors in training, over mm-hmm. to each house to say who's gonna be in charge of each what house, like who's in charge of the six-year-old, and then they right. get to the cabin with all the uh, the girls, like the fourteen-year-old girls, and then he says something to the guys, like, you know, these gir- these fourteen-year-old girls, they got the drive and the equipment, but they don't have the experience, and they better not get it from any of you guys either. Yeah, and and like <laughs> somebody outright refers to the fourteen-year-old girls as jailbait, and I'm just like, wow, it's just like <laughs> it's just like this big neon sign, like we we made this movie in 1979. <laughs> Eget. Yes. Ho, ho, ho. I mean, it's watching movies from this era. It is an education, man. <laughs> it was like, holy Toledo. You're just like, you, like you, every time it's like a, a movie from the 70s or the early 80s, I'm just like, well, this will be totally fine. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> And it feels like two million years ago. Right. There's that one point where uh, Bill Murray tells a joke to uh, Rudy to cheer him up and tell him a joke uh-huh. about the Russian, the Polish terrorist joke. Mm. And they told him to blow up a car and he burned his lips on the tailpipe. <sighs> I, yeah. I, I, my attention must have been wandering during that moment because that <laughs> suddenly went over my head. I, I caught that. 
Yeah. I, I there's, caught there's that. There's a up. moment where, okay, Bill Murray's character of Tripper, he's he's got this flirtatious thing going on with one of the other counselors, Roxanne. Um, mm-hmm. Roxanne! He, he's sort of wrestling around with her, and it plays as like half charming, half creepy now. It's, uh, it, it rides a fine line. Cause like the, like she, it starts out, she's like sort of pushing him off and she's saying no. So you're just like, yikes, where is this going to go? And, and then, and, and then she kind of comes back at him a bit. So like, she's given as good as she gets. Yeah, but, but it's. Yeah, it's 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 a fine line right there. It's a fine it's a fine, fine line. line, and like Bill Murray, I think is a charming enough performer that it is still more charming than creepy. But yeah, it's it's a little sketchy. Yeah, it's one of those things like in the wrong hands. This this could this could feel uh, you know this, this could be me too. And but yeah, he he's able to let you know that he's kidding and he's not really like some predatory uh, creepo so it's, yeah it comes off yeah. a little bit more charming than it it, it, should, it would be in in another actor's hands i think this would be really really bad and i think Ooh. bill murray makes it marginally acceptable um, your mileage may vary <laughs> <laughs> bill murray making things marginally acceptable <laughs> since 1979 um <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I, they have Rudy, uh, the the young kid. Uh, he ends up joining Bill Murray on his morning runs, um, and in that scene, I found it really striking that, like, by the end of it, we see Tripper. He's just exhausted and collapsed because he's just so out of shape, and he's. I, I love how just utterly exhausted Bill Murray played it, and I just, yeah. I just thought like. You know, if Chevy Chase was playing this scene, he would be like the guy doing it perfectly with no effort because like Chevy Chase is always having to present himself as being the coolest guy in the room at all times. And yeah, I, I love I love how Bill Murray was just like, no, this guy's full of BS. So, yeah, like there, that's just the thing about Bill Murray. Like he's comfortable enough in himself to be OK with not looking super cool all the time, but yeah. in a way that is cool. That exactly. you're so confident that you're so okay with not being or looking cool. That that's well, he ne- he cool. he plays everything with that sort of irony where he never like entirely cares. But I he and th- and that's kind of what Chevy Chase does too. But I don't know. I, Chevy Chase feels like he's always trying to present himself as cool, and therefore he's not. I don't know. I don't have my, I don't have my thoughts well articulated on this, okay. but. Somehow it works better when Bill Murray does it because I I guess because Bill Murray is not a medium talent. Ooh, damn, son, <laughs> got him. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Like um, there is maybe maybe Chevy has a little bit of trying too hard. Yeah, that, that's the where... sense I get when I watch Chevy Chase's stuff now. You know he... where he's like, yeah. He's like he's he's very concerned about how how he looks and maybe his appearance, whereas Bill is just like, uh, whatever I look like, whatever as long as I, yeah. you know, I, I'm showing I, up on set on my own clothes. You didn't know if I was going to show up or not. 
I'm here. Let's just shoot and I'll do whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that is the thing. In this movie, there are a number of scenes where Bill Murray is wearing his own clothes. Yes. Yes. uh, He has like red shorts and a Hawaiian shirt at one point. That's Mm -hmm. from the Bill Murray collection, people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) From his own hamper. And do do you think it was like, oh, this character would wear this? Or is it just what Bill Murray happened to be wearing that day? It might be, hey, we don't have a wardrobe budget. So just for <laughs> whatever you got. It could be. I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's there's a scene where uh, the young nerdy counselor and his buddy Larry, they try to spy on the female counselors by crawling mm. under their cabin. And yeah. That that was weird because it's like, wait, why are all the counselors bunking together? Is that, they, isn't that, yeah. I mean, I like in every, every summer camp I went to as a kid, it was like you, you as a kid, you had your cabin and then each cabin had its own counselor and they would sleep in that cabin because the whole hmm. point of counselors is to make sure the kids don't get into trouble. But in this movie, like the counselors are just leaving the campers alone for long stretches <laughs> of time. They'll be fine. Like at one point in the movie, the counselors all go on an overnight trip together. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, there is like, not a camper in sight. Yeah, that's like when that scene happened, where I th- like uh, Tripper he leaves Rudy in charge of doing the morning announcement, which is something yeah. that uh, Tripper does. And he's like, "Oh yeah, me and the CITs we're gonna go away on an overnight." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, who's minding the store then? Who's watching all these six-year-olds and thirteen-year-olds?" Right. Like, is, is Morty doing all this? I no, I think Morty was on that trip. So who the f- <laughs> they just abandoned? Know. I don't know. I don't know how this camp is run. They just abandoned some kids in the woods, left to their I own devices. Don't, I don't know. Like these kids will be fine for a day. Yeah, you can totally leave a six-year-old to fend for himself for twenty-four to forty-eight hours. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> Lord of the Flies. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> they all made it out all right, right? No, yeah, no, it totally worked out okay for all the kids. Yeah, hey, Yellow Jackets, they all made it out okay. Is that what Yellow Jackets is about? I haven't seen it, but I know it's something like that. It's like uh, it's um, I know it takes like uh, it might take place in Jersey or something like that. But yeah, it's like about a bunch of survivors from high school, like in like this these all girl I guess high school team in the nineties that were flying to some type of tournament like across the country and their plane uh-huh. crashes in the wilderness and they get their loss for like, a, I guess like a number of days or weeks. And like, so they, it flashes forwards to the grown women they are now when they talk about what went on back then. And then it flashes back to what actually really happened in, you know, in the oh, 90s. Wow. And, and okay. The so it's basically like, this is what traumatizes his kids. Oh, all right. Yeah. I believe it's something. It's something along those lines, like where they went through this weird experience about what you know what really happened in the woods, and then like how right. it affects them now, and there's like you know unresolved issues or something. Something along those lines. Well, like, I, I hear it's good. No but idea. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I hear it's good. But that, I, I, I just knew the title, and I knew that was one of the hip shows right now, and I couldn't 
tell you who is in it or anything like that. I've just heard the name Yellow Jackets a fair amount. So uh, I know uh, Christina Ricci's in it, and Juliet okay. Lewis is in it as well. All right, all right. So they're like some of the adults, I'm assuming, who are yes, they're the grown up kids. Yeah, they're the grown up kids, and yes. Okay. Well, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> and now we do. Now we do. Thank you, Steve Harvey. Um, <laughs> there's also there's also a basketball game against Camp Mohawk, and again, it's not the council. It's not the campers playing against Camp Mohawk. It is the counselors. Yeah, like. I'm just like, the, the kids... what do you even need the kids for? I we could just have done a movie about a bunch of twenty year olds <laughs> in the what? How old are the counselors in this movie supposed to be? By the way, oh, that's a good question. Because it's I'm a... weird. Because like most camp counselors are usually like teenagers themselves. Yeah, like usually they're like seventeen, eighteen. Some of them look like. They should be in college, but decided right. to take take a summer off or something. Yeah, and I don't know how old Bill Murray was when he did this movie. I'm assuming late twenties. That'd be a fair assumption. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I, I don't know. Let's let's see what year Bill Murray was born in. I'm 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 very curious about this now. Let's um, look it up. All right. So he was born in 1950. So he w- he was pushing 30 when he did this movie. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so it was shot in 78 so he would have been just turning 28 uh all so right old for a camp counselor but they never really indicate if he's playing younger or not and at the end of the movie uh tripper asks roxanne will you move in with me and they both say that they've never lived with anybody else before so I guess they're adults and they have their own places and and stuff. Yeah, I guess so. It's very vague. Yeah, very much so. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's young enough and charming enough that you don't think he's a dude in his thirties uh, still being a head camp counselor. You just think, oh, it's Bill Murray. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly. And they're not doing it like ironically the way they do it in Wet Hot American Summer, where it's actors in their twenties and thirties and playing teenagers but that wasn't really a convention yet because of this movie i mean i think i don't rem- i don't think there were many summer camp movies before this movie um this this might have been the one that kind of got the ball rolling right or because like i think it's like what you said early on like where they were like oh these can't move and again this movie made a ton of money it made a you know mm-hmm. it, it made back way more than they spent on it so right. either forty I'm, or seventy million dollars, we have no way of knowing. Yeah, but, just for inflation. Yeah, but, but like I'm, I, yeah, but I'm but sure people they, saw that. Considering this. they only spent one million on it, either way, that's a huge profit. Yes, absolutely. Just just raking in the dough. So yeah. I'm sure people saw this and were like, "Oh, people like this. Let's make this." But you know, how about maybe some boobies? Make it raunchier. Make it nasty. And yeah. then that kind of kicked yeah. it all off. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I remember Little Darlings, the movie with uh, Christy McNichol and uh, 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 Tatum O'Neill. Oh, was it Matt Dillon in that too? Matt Dillon is in that. Yeah, they they make a pact to like lose their virginity, um, and Matt Dillon is one of the guys, and Armand Asante is the other guy who's like playing a Ooh. camp counselor, and Ooh. yeah, one of them targets Armand Asante as this is the man I want to lose my virginity to. <laughs> 
don't know. De, deflowered. The 70s you know. and 80s were wild, man. <laughs> crazy time, baby. Crazy time. <laughs> they, they they seem like the Wild West now. <laughs> yeah, just, just underage sex and all types of drug use and hoo-ha. <laughs> I mean, it's gravy—it's just, just so weird. Yeah, so like the the basketball game with the 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 camp North Star counselors against the camp Mohawk counselors. Uh, that ends when they just pull all the camp Mohawk counselors shorts down uh, to their ankles, and then uh. Bill Murray just gets everybody to run onto the bus, and and then they drive off, and he just goes, "This is the proudest day in Camp North Star history." <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, it's a funny moment. I mean, by the way, yeah. it's just, shorts were so short in, in 1970. Yeah. <laughs> Who wears short shorts? Everybody wears short shorts. Yeah, I mean, they were just, they are all mid-thigh cut. They are. Yeah. The shortest of shorts. Boxers. Yeah. They're like you, like one wrong move and you can see ball. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean, I caramba. There's. Nothing left to the imagination in those things. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, I just want to note uh, that at one uh, part in this movie, I think sometime after the camp social where Tri Tripper dances with Roxanne, uh, we see Rudy reading a comic book. He is reading a copy of Marvel 2-in-1 issue 50 because I recognize the splash page where the thing is facing off against a younger version of himself. Trumbull, if there was anybody that would notice that, it'd be you. And I applaud you, sir. It that. is a very memorable splash page. I will uh, I will tweet it from the SNL Nerds account. And if I can find a screen cap of that moment from the movie, I will post that. Do it. Do it. Yes. But good issue, by the way. Uh, just wanted to note that. So. Far. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Trevor goes on that overnight trip. Leaves Rudy in charge of the PA announcements. He says, I want you to run two miles and then run two and a half miles. And Rudy says, have you ever run that far? And, and Tripper's like, no, God, no. Why would I ever do that? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty um, funny line. Yeah. And then, and so by this point in the movie, uh, Trip has finally worn Roxanne down and they're, they're getting it on. They go, they yeah. go with them during their overnight trip. Um, oh, my God. There, there's one point where where I think Roxanne says, I was wondering what you were yelling about. And it's just like super Canadian. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. This, this, oh, yeah. So this, film, this was all filmed in Ontario in uh, Halliburton, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Um, and then the big climax of the movie is the inner camp Olympiad. With yeah, Jan going up against the evil rich Camp Mohawk. Because yeah, because if you're rich, you're a jerk. Yes, yeah. that's 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 how I see it. And uh, no like some of the, yeah, some of these, some of these events that we're competing on, I was like, oh, they do this at camp. Like there was a boxing match going on and and wrestling, and I was like, is, is that campy? That's like more. I, I don't know. It, it was the '80s. Lawsuits weren't a thing yet. Um... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Lace up your gloves and have at him, Rudy. Yeah. Let's, not get the, let's not get the lawyers involved in this. Yeah. Uh, so, but it, so it's, a, it's like a two-day event, and then 
in between the first and the, the second day, I mean, uh, everybody at Camp North Star is dejected because they're losing. They're, they're way behind in Camp Mohawk. And Bill Murray gives one of the great inspirational speeches of movies, I think. Yeah, this is this is probably the highlight of the film, I'd say. This is definitely the high, this is totally the best scene in the film and and it's the best scene just because it is just Bill Murray going off and I'm I'm sure this speech had to be at least half improvised. I I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, cuz it's like you said like he he basically I mean basically the the gist of the speech is him repeating the phrase which becomes your mantra. It just doesn't matter. Like, because he's just saying, doesn't matter. Because he just talks, doesn't matter. Can you talk yeah. about how rich they are, the other team, and how they have right. everything, all the, you know, all the, the leg ups that they don't have, and it just doesn't matter. And like, no matter right. how hard they try, it just doesn't matter. Because, you know, they, they have all the money, they have all the women, so it just doesn't matter if right. we win or lose. It just and doesn't e- matter. Yeah, and even if we win, it w- it won't matter because they're going to get all the great girls anyway because they're rich. And, yeah, and you see, I mean, Bill Murray just has this crowd in the palm of his hand. And it is really, I think, one of the best bits of improv in, in movie history. I Wow. Ooh, high praise. But I I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it is totally the the standout scene from this movie, and he, yeah. he just gets everybody pumped up in this weird sort of inspirational slash fatalistic <laughs> <laughs> mantra that of it just doesn't matter, and everyone's just they they're just so enthused about not caring, and I yeah. love that. That is that is it's just like Bill Murray's comedic persona in a nutshell there. Yeah, no, because it's, it's also like a nice, like sort of twist on the regular stereotypical, like big speech that they have in like a lot of other sports movies, where you know yeah. the the coach is like, "All right, we're down ten and zero, but we can do it." Need to re-. like this is yeah. this flips it on its ear, where it's just like, "Yeah, yeah. It does it just doesn't matter? Whatever, it it's, doesn't matter if we win or lose." And like that's that speech actually got me pumped up to do shit. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. It frees. It's freeing. It's so great. It, is. it just doesn't matter. It is. Yeah, you can accomplish incredible things when you don't care. <laughs> just doesn't matter. Just doesn't just matter. Doesn't matter. Just doesn't matter. Um, just doesn't matter. And so, and then there's there's a nice thing the next day where Rudy is like the last minute to sub in a race uh, through the woods, uh, which again apparently unsupervised. It's just him running through the woods with yeah him. Yeah, he's like running against like a kid twice his age, like almost a grown ass man. Yeah, yeah. And if you know one of them dies or gets injured in the woods, I guess they're just left there. <laughs> the parents signed a waiver. The parents signed a waiver. They know. They know what was up. They knew the, the risks. Yeah, uh, but but Rudy wins the race because of all the training that he's done with Tripper over the summer, and so yay. Yeah. Yeah, it was that was a pretty quiet scene because like there wasn't any music and it was literally just mm-hmm. the two of them running through the woods. A couple times they fell and it was like really quiet and it seemed like they were going for like a very big dramatic like scene with with Rudy. Like, oh, this is Rudy's yeah. redemption. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the music doesn't pump you up the way you expect it to. Uh, even even though El- Elmer Bernstein's doing the score. Um, no, absolutely. And uh, but yeah, and the 
Rudy wins. Every, everybody loves him now. He has mm-hmm. friends because he won, because that's how you get friends, by winning big contests that are, you know, important to the entire camp, yeah, right. as we all know. And at the same time, just don't matter. Yes, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then we kind of are pretty much at, at the end of the summer where, like, all the kids, all the counselors, CIT, gather around the fire, and yeah. um, we have Morty. There's just also another running gag where his name is Morty, but everybody calls him Mickey, yeah. which was supposed to be, according to IMDb, it's supposed to be, uh, like, an arcade reference to Mickey Mouse's original name, Mortimer Mouse. Yeah. I I thought I was like, all right, that's, I guess I get it. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I mean, it's not particularly funny. Um, I mean, he's, he's even, Morty is even wearing like a button on his cap that says, my name is Morty because he's very sick of, I mean, he's, he's the guy who's nominally in charge, but nobody gives him any sort of respect. They're always like putting his bed into the trees and in the middle yeah. of the lake. And, yeah. They do it lovingly, but like no one, yeah, no one respects it. No one respects him. Right. <laughs> yeah, Mickey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Meatballs. It's okay. It's good yeah. whenever Bill Murray is on the screen because he's always entertaining and fun to watch. Uh, the other stuff, not so much. None of the other characters really pop. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Makepeace is good as, as Rudy, I would say. He's okay, but yeah, I'll agree with you. Like, every, see, that's why I kind of wish there was somebody else that was in that had the comedy chops that Bill Murray does, just so Bill yeah. Murray had somebody to sort of bounce off of. Like Harold Ramis did some punch up work on this. I would have loved it if they found a role for Ramis in it. Like maybe he could have been oh, the yeah. head counselor. Maybe he could have been like the head counselor at Camp Mohawk, and then the two of them had some banter. But yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, like in something like Animal House, all the characters are interesting. You like all the deltas to one degree or another. I mean, you're not just following like say Belushi in that movie. Um, you, you like following Flounder and Pinto and, and, and uh, all the other guys in the deltas. And in this movie, it's just, you're, you're just kind of waiting for Bill Murray to come on. So yeah, very much so. Yeah. If like, it's, it's like, a very mixed bag. Yeah. Like if Bill Murray wasn't in this film, this, this film would just be a DOA. Uh, like it, I saw, it would be, yeah, this movie would be totally forgotten today if it wasn't for <laughs> Bill Murray. No, no, he's he's doing all the he's doing all the lifting, all the heavy lifting. Yeah, there was one review uh, Gene Siskel had when it came out saying it's it's uh, pleasant as can be, but there's hardly a belly laugh in it. Murray plays yeah. a nice guy counselor who befriends a lonely camper. It's all very sweet, but funny, not particularly. And I yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to co-sign with that. Yeah. And and Bill Murray, he hits the right note between funny and sweet in the scenes with uh, Rudy. Um, but yeah, overall, just eh. yeah, there, so there's just not enough other stuff to make it really great. I mean, you could you could edit this down into like a nice 20 minute film with with just the relationship between Tripper and Rudy and you wouldn't really miss any of the other stuff. Yeah. Like, um. Yeah, like all the other CITs, like um, you said, there's that one guy Crockett. He kind of yeah. has a little bit of an arc about some other girl that has a crush on him at camp. Uh, there's yeah. another guy Hardware who does a thing where he steals uh, Morty's AC, and he sets so he can set it up in the CIT cabin. But then he ends up, yeah. you know, 
taking out the electricity out the, out the whole camp. Um, you know, there's Larry with the hot dog eating contest moment he has, but it's all kind of yeah. Okay. And, and supposedly they cut down the scenes with the other CITs to have more stuff with Bill Murray and uh, Chris Makepeace. Uh, so I think they realized while they were making it that they knew what was working in the movie. And they were <laughs> like, let's, let's put more into this. And actually um, the scene, there's a scene where uh, Tripper and Rudy are playing blackjack with each other. And that was apparently shot after the principal photography. And, uh, by this point, uh, Chris Makepeace was going through puberty a bit more, and he uh, he was starting to grow a mustache. And Bill Murray was like, "Well, you gotta you gotta shave that down a bit." Um, so yeah. Bill Murray uh, basically gave this kid his first shave. And how many that's, of us can say that? That's fantastic. That's adorable, isn't it? Isn't it? Oh, had Bill Murray help you shave? My yeah. God. A lucky kid. You want you want Bill Murray to help you through all those uh, those those passages of life. Yeah, I just had my my dumb old dad help me shave. Ugh. He gets Bill Murray. That's fantastic. Yeah, screw that. Uh, yeah. Happy Father's Day, everybody. By the way, Happy Father's Day. Hey, Dad. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> hey, Dad. Love you. Um, <laughs> rate you know Bill Murray, but you're cool. Yeah. Rate and subscribe, Dad. Thank you. Leave a review. Yes. <laughs> Does your dad listen to this podcast? I I'd be shocked if he did. Yeah. Okay. That, that, oh, he might, chance. but yeah, he might, but uh, we'll we'll find out if he releases a review. By the way, this movie it was so successful that they made three sequels to it. There are three other Meatballs movies. Yeah, and none of them have Bill Murray in it. The only reason to watch the original Meatballs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming they went to Bill Murray and Bill Murray was just like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, and strangely, the only one of the three that has any connection to the original Meatballs is Meatballs 3, Summer Job, which in which a young Patrick Dempsey plays Rudy. <laughs> so it's he's the same character. I think they're at the same camp. Oh, um, okay. They're they're at Camp North Star. I think I think the others the other sequels don't even take place at the same camp. <laughs> wow, so it's a totally different camp. A, I think I think the like the, the at least a couple of the sequels take place at Camp Sasquatch. Um, I didn't okay. read up on that, but the the backstory of Meatballs Three is wild. Um, All right, let's find out. Because because okay, Meatballs Three, by the way. Is about is Sally Kellerman plays a porn star who died in some accident, and then she comes back as a ghost to help Rudy lose his virginity. Sounds like the inspiration for Jennifer Slept Here. It is. A, it is like a Jennifer Slept Here, but she is trying to get the kid laid. Wait, isn't that? But didn't it happen? Jennifer slept here. Like, didn't? Wasn't that, she I mean, I well, network TV. So I don't know if she was trying to get the kid laid. I think she was just being like maybe sort of a prime time appropriate mentor to the kid, mentee. Is it a Men mentor? Ment I, I don't know. Um, whatever the feminine version of mentor is, it's probably just mentor. Anyway, yeah. lady um, mentor. 
lady mentor, because women could be mentors too. Um, so, okay, I'm just going to read this from IMDb, IMDb Trivia, because it is wild. Meatballs 3 originated in 1982 as a screenplay entitled My Special Angel. The producers felt there was a teen-filled film period coming, and they decided to put this film together. After producing the original Meatballs, Cinepix sold the title for Meatballs Part 2 to another company and presumably only considered My Special Angel as the third Meatballs film once they acquired the title rights back prior to Meatball 2's release. The title My Special Angel, despite being attached to the film until 1983, was never seriously considered as the film's final name. Uh, other titles were considered, including Soulmates, which was dismissed by producer Charles Dunning as it sounds like a black film. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy crap, man. What the fuck? <laughs> you said the quiet part out loud, John Dunning. <laughs> My God, I I'd skipped over that part. That is horrifying. Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, and you get on me about... That word I wasn't supposed to say? Again, the 80s were wild. The 80s were the fucking wild west, man. Um, Ooh, hi, Chihuahua. The, the script was officially associated with the Meatballs franchise in 1984 when the film script, then titled Meatballs The Climax, was submitted for copyright research. Oh Sometime my. during post-production, the title was changed to Summer Job, completely dropping the reference to meatballs, although advertising was mocked up for summer job, including taglines, television advertisements, and posters. The film's name was eventually changed to Meatballs 3 Summer Job, which it was released as in 1987. Several allusions to the original Meatballs films were at the original Meatballs film, singular, were added at this stage to make it loosely fit in the world of the original film, including having photos of Tripper Bill Murray decorating the set. <laughs> wow. It, it was filmed in late summer 84, planned for a summer 85 release, and they could not find a distributor for two and a half years due to the second film's poor box office performance. Eventually, the movie store had acquired distribution rights. So this movie was released in 1986. Okay. So, so a good while after. Yeah, yeah. And it says, um, in the pre-production stages, the film's producers wanted to appeal to female moviegoers. To accomplish this, producer John Dunning, oh, this this guy again. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what his ideas were. Suggested that the, the angel helps the boy out of several awkward situations, most notably his inability to communicate with women. This is a quote. He would have to be doing things or be in situations where his, his ineptness and inexperience result in him going absolutely against the female grain. Notably, the men charged with screenplay development were unsure of what specific blunders the boy could make that would be funny to women. Thus, Dunning suggests that research in female sexuality and fantasy books will provide some leads into, in brackets, what into what women find attractive. Because <laughs> apparently John Dunning has no idea. Um, <laughs> In addition, Dunning suggests that the angel could have previously written a sex advice column, such such as uh, Xavier Hollander's column in Penthouse called me Madam. Dunning writes the Penthouse column might be another source of research. What the, what is going on here? 
what the hell, John Dunning? <laughs> um, here, rather than consulting actual women for their own opinions and or experiences in the script production stage, Dunning suggests that a column in Men's Magazine Penthouse might be a good place to gain insight into women. <laughs> disregarding that the column is published in a magazine designed exclusively by and for men and, and may not be the most unbiased source. Wow. I, I, I can't. I can't. I just... How do we figure out what women want? Could we ask a woman? No. no. Let's <laughs> what read this. Heck? It's 1984. What are we going to do? Talk to a woman like she's a person? No, <laughs> thank you. Let's go to this penthouse column. This probably goes straight. In. Now you think it. Also, I don't like this title because it sounds like a black film. We can't can't have this movie theater full of full of soul brothers. <laughs> what the hell, Meatballs Three? What the hell? Oi, I yikes. <laughs> Yeah, so it sounds like Bill Murray left uh, right at at the right time. Yeah. Okay, wait, wait, wait. There's another bit of insane John Dunning trivia on the IMDb trivia page for Meatballs 3. Tell me more, tell me more. After the wrap party, producer John Dunning left late along with the cameraman and the cameraman's wife. They got into their car while he stopped behind it, ready to cross the street to get into his car. Bam! The next thing he remembers, he was in an ambulance on the way to the hospital. The cameraman had backed up his car, not realizing Dunning was behind it. He suffered a concussion, a broken shoulder, two broken ribs, and a broken nose. An intern straightened his nose, ouch, uh, but couldn't do anything for the rest. Uh, By then, John's wife had arrived, so he was released to her care with some painkillers and the advice to wake him up every few hours because of the concussion. Again, go to the hospital, John Dunning. What the hell, man? Yeah, are you on the run from the law? Why can't you go? (laughs) John Dunning does not want to do any of the most obvious solutions to any of his problems. He gets gets in this horrible accident. He's like, no doctors. I can't go to no hospital. What I want a biopic of John Dunning now. This guy sounds insane. Oh my god. Yeah, this dude is I don't know what. I have I have never seen Meatballs 3 at all. I remember that it existed, but <laughs> but my god, I want to know everything about this movie now. Yeah, this is my lord. <laughs> The, the tagline on IMDb is literally the ghost of a dead porn star comes to Earth to help a nerd with his sex life. So, I mean, I mean, no, no lies detected. I mean, I mean do, you, do you think they were just like, hey, remember that Bill Murray summer camp movie? Ghostbusters is big right now. Let's put a ghost in the summer camp movie. Yeah. And. I just, I, I, I want to understand the thought process behind this movie so badly. It's, ah, uh, I don't know. It's a different time, man, different time. How, how did people think this was a good idea? How did they think this was going to work? I don't know. They were just like, I don't know. We'll try, try something else. <laughs> guys, you know, guys like ghosts. They like hot ghosts. They almost like that. They like that scene in Ghostbusters where, uh, you know, uh, Aykroyd almost got a BJ from a from a ghost. So let's make a movie yeah, around that. Yeah, 
The further we get from the 1980s, the, the more insane this, this entire decade seems to me. And it, and the weird thing is, it seemed normal at the time. Yeah. At the time, it was like, oh, okay. At the time, this is just life. This is just, yes, we make movies about ghosts trying to get teenagers laid. <laughs> what else is there to make a movie about? I don't know. I don't know. But okay, so uh, meatballs. Yeah, yeah. See it, don't see it. I I think I think you're good just watching the it just doesn't matter clip on YouTube. Honestly, yeah, that's literally like the best part of yeah the movie. I mean, the movie itself is charming enough. It's you know, yeah, it's fine. It's fine enough. It's fun enough. But yeah, the like it's, we it's said, it's a like, quick watch. It's only ninety four minutes, so. It's it's on it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now, so you can check it out there. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things where if they had more people who like had more comedy chops in it, I, I, it yeah. could have been a lot better. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, because over- I mean, that's the thing is like Bill Murray's the and and uh, Chris Makepeace they're they're the only ones who really pop in the movie, and nobody else is especially memorable. So yeah. It's about the, the actress like, playing oh. Roxanne is okay, I guess. You know, she's, she's all right, but, yeah. But that's another thing. Like, right. like the women in this uh, film are kind of like underwritten. They're all just, you know, yeah, yeah. That, like I, I be, like, with the exception of Roxanne, I really don't remember any of the names of any of the. Uh, no. Other, what, no. It's like <laughs> there was yeah. I mean, there was that one Al. Her name was, but she wasn't really given much to do. There's the woman in the speedboat who really liked Crockett. I don't remember her name. Candace. Candace. She, her name was Candace. Right. I remember they were both C names. Uh, um, there's a there's tomboy. There's a Wendy. There's a Jackie. There's a yes. Brenda, apparently. Um, if you'd put a gun to my head five minutes after I finished this movie, I would not remember any of these names outside of Roxanne. Yeah. There's like, oh, there's the hot blonde. There's the tomboy. And... Yeah. um. The end. That's all I really remember. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, yeah. to be fair, maybe their parts were really edited down. I don't know. Maybe they had more to do in the rough cut. Maybe. It's very possible. It's very possible. But yeah, it's... I, don't know. I, I, I just kind of wish they uh, maybe beefed up their parts a little bit more just, you know, just so they just weren't, you know, objects or, you know, devices used to, to bounce off the, the guys and make them look uh, better. Yeah. I mean, come on. You want women to not be objects in a film made in 1979? Uh, that's asking a lot, my friend. Tall order, I know. But, you know, <laughs> what I want. I mean, why why should we talk to women when we can cut, just go to the penthouse for That's very true. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I don't need to... I still just... Oh. <laughs> Oh yo yo, uh yeah, and that's the episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Um, Meatballs, it's it's a fine film. It's cute. Uh, you can find it streaming now. It's on Amazon Prime. I believe the Roku channel has it and uh, Tubi. So um, yeah, give it yeah. a look, see see what you think. And or, uh, or, or don't and just just watch the it just doesn't matter scene on YouTube. I think that's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> just Fair just enough. write like you know, just put meatballs all bill murray scenes 
into the, your, the search engine of your choice. And uh, I, I think that'll do the job. <laughs> yeah, that'll do, John. That'll do. <laughs> that'll do. That'll do. Yeah. And uh, All right. So what are we doing next week, Darren? Next week, John. Well, uh, you know, it's, a, it's Pride Month. It's Gay mm-hmm. Pride Month. So, mm-hmm. hey, let's talk about a movie that came out recently on Hulu. A little film called uh, Fire Island with, uh, you know, SNL's Bone Yang and uh, New York comedian Joel Kim Booster. Nice. Okay, so we're going to check out Fire Island on Hulu. And I understand this this film is notable. Am I right? In This is the, the first film about gay people where all the gay people are played by actual gay people? Right? Yes, right? it's, yes, it's an all-gay cast. Uh, it's basically... I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard it's basically like a Pride and Prejudice, but with uh, all gay dudes. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I'm right. looking so forward to it. Now I have to familiarize myself with the the plot of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, you've never seen Pride and Prejudice? I think I have, but uh, it's not something that's stuck in my head. I think somewhere in the apartment I might have a copy of Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Oh, oh okay. That's, cl- that's close enough. That's close enough. I mean, yeah. I you know you you take up the zombies. I'm assuming that's that's pretty much Pride and Prejudice, right? Yeah, yeah, that'll work. See, and I asked you if you've watched Pride and Prejudice, whereas my I myself have not watched Pride and Prejudice, so I, I don't even know why he said it. Like, so you're was... you're like a total hypocrite. Yes. Okay. I am. All right. I'm I'm glad we established this. Um. So, <laughs> all right. Well, so next week, Fire Island. Fire! That'll be fun. That'll be fun. We'll do that. And uh, so, in the meantime, yeah, please uh, rate, review, subscribe. Thank you yeah. for listening. Yeah, and uh, as always, you can follow. Yeah, as always, yeah. you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D A R I Incredible. And you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And you can follow our show page on Twitter at SNL Nerds Show. Mm-hmm. Damn straight. Uh, so, yeah, and, uh, I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, right, John, are you ready for the summer? Are you ready for the good times? That theme song was really annoying, wasn't it? <laughs> it That's, really was. I mean, they had, they've got like kids singing the theme song, and like a little of that goes a long, long way. Like, if look, I'm not a parent, so I don't have to go go to any like kid recitals or anything like that. Uh, and for which I am very grateful. <laughs> by the way, that, yeah, because because kids singing is ninety five percent of the time it is garbage. Yes. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Exactly. Because newsflash, kids can't sing. Damn. Wow. All right. I, I didn't know we were going out on this hot take. Look, holy wolf. <laughs> I mean, what? Am I wrong? 95% of the time, kids cannot sing. They sound like ass. Right. That's right. So all the parents out there, just let your kids know. If they think they're good singers, just let them. You got to let them know. They are garbage. Yeah. No, just just Simon Cowell their asses, man. Uh, just crush those dreams. Kill those dreams toot sweet. Toot sweet. I mean, unless you're the next Avril Lavigne or Ashley Simpson. <laughs> What's the difference between the two? Uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, they've, 
They're, they're, they were both young pop singers. Uh, their names started with A. One of them married a guy from Nickelback. Yeah, and one of them was hooked up with the dude from, uh, I want to say, uh, Fallout Boy, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay, if you say so. All right. I, say so. I, will, I will just nod because I have no idea. <laughs> Fair enough, John. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. That'll do, Darren. That'll do. That'll do. <laughs> All right, so we'll see you next week for Fire Island. But until then, nerd Nerd out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.